0: Glad to have you back. Another hour of the Bill Michaels Show. Welcome one and all on the uh, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We appreciate you being here. Snow outside. Hopefully it uh, continues to melt. It's kind of changing a little bit, as a matter of fact. It lessened up, but now it's coming down almost like a just a wet, sloppy rain at this point. I'm all for that as it continues to melt away from the uh, the patio. I'll take that in a heartbeat uh let's do this Joining us now on the hotline is our buddy buddy Peter bukowski from uh, the locked on uh, Packers podcast joining us pete
1: how you doing i am i am very glad that i am currently on vacation oh are you really <laughs> where are you at yeah i'm in, i'm in i'm on Sanibel island in Florida so i'm missing the, oh, the fleet and the the uh the ugliness that is happening right now um but that doesn't mean that that doesn't that that doesn't uh Affect everyone else listening. I'm sorry for for rubbing you in a little bit, Phil.
0: No, that's okay. I get it. I would do the same thing, man. If I was sitting down there near the uh, near the sandy beach somewhere, in a heartbeat. Uh, any sight of a wide receiver down there on the beach by any chance?
1: <laughs> you know, there are some some teenagers here looking pretty good throwing throwing passes in the pool. So I don't know. We might 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 need to call Brian Gutikins, get him a get him a, a short term deal here. Maybe some void years on the back end so we can make the salary cap work.
0: So what are I mean, rumor comes out the Packers are looking uh, one of the teams that are out there looking for wide receivers. And we hear the stories that good wide receivers are going to go much higher than expected in the draft. And you're going to have to spend draft capital to get them. And, you know, our, our, I don't think the Packers are desperate. I just think right now they're doing their due diligence to see what it's going to cost them to get themselves eventually a veteran. And I, I think that's what's happening behind the scenes right now. Give me your thoughts.
1: So I, I think a couple things. Um we always hear every year that, that there are going to be these groups of players who are going to go higher than expected, and then some do and some don't. This is just the nature of the business. It's the nature of how these leagues work. First, it's, oh, there's all these offensive tackles. They're going to go up, and that, that could push other positions down. Or there's all these pass rushers, and that's going to push other positions down. There are going to be runs. We see it every year, and that's just that – it's really hard to predict, even for teams in the league, when those are going to happen. What I thought was interesting, though, is when Matt LaFleur at, at owner's meetings was asked and you played that that sound that soundbite, he, he also said, you know, there, there are unexpected things that can happen between now and the draft and, and now in the beginning of the regular season. Mark Murphy, in an interview with Larry McCarron for Packers.com, mentioned that the, the Packers had a lot of draft capital. And he sort of said with a wink, you know, I'll, he said something to the effect of, I'll just say, you know, we have a lot of draft capital and that they feel really good about that. Uh, that, there's something going on behind the scenes that they're working on, and and based on what I've what I've been told, um, and and you mentioned some of the stuff that's out there about them efforting a veteran, that they're they're trying to take a swing now. Whether or not they're going to eventually land on someone is another question entirely, right? We don't know that they're going to be able to get anything together, but they you they don't seem worried, they don't seem flustered by this. Uh, which which could just be a front. Um, generally, I find that, that NFL front office people and NFL coaches and NFL players are really bad actors. They, they, do, they, they do not hide their secrets very well, except for Bill Belichick, who's monotone about everything. Uh, I think that they think that they, they can get someone if they want them. Uh, it's going to depend on cost and, and all that kind of stuff. So that, that means players that we have, have heard and has been reported by by good sources i would say that that there are um these players available tyler lockett in seattle um that would have to be after the draft because his his pre-june one cap hit is crazy dk metcalf right. could be someone out there that is the name that i think is on the the tongues of packer fans everywhere if you could get dk metcalf it's like Devontae, enjoy las vegas this this guy's a, a monster and then there was that report over the weekend last weekend about the jets keeping an eye on T.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown in Tennessee, and Debo Samuel in San Francisco, all guys who are coming up in a year that are going to want top-of-market contracts and on teams that might not want to pay them or might not feel like they have the resources necessary to pay them. The the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, a boatload of money. They have to pay Derrick Henry a lot of money. What is that future there? So if if the Jets are keeping an eye on it, they think that there's a chance that those guys can be hands. Uh, Sean Michael, uh, the the, the Seahawks writer for The Athletic, whose name, unfortunately, I'm I'm, uh, forgetting at the moment, reported that DK Metcalf could be had uh, for a first-round pick potentially. Green Bay has two of those picks. They have the draft capital to go make a swing at one of these players who could be available, but they also have the draft capital. If they fall in love with Drake London, who's going to test here in a couple days, let's say he runs 4-5 flat at his pro day at USC, special pro day, he jumps 40 inches, which he's probably going to do if you haven't seen the clip of him 540 windmill dunking in high school. You should probably go do that. Um, he was a basketball player at USC. Uh, he was a, a dual sport athlete. Um, then you know, maybe they, they trade up to 15 uh, to try and snag someone like that. I think there are a lot of similarities between him and early Devontae Adams, not that he's going to become you know, late career Devontae Adams. Uh, there are plenty of guys in this draft in the top 50 that Green Bay could be targeting. They could be grabbing two guys. That could be their plan. There's still so much time left that I think they they feel good about their plan moving forward. And why shouldn't they? They have Aaron Rodgers, the two-time defending league MVP.
0: Yeah, I uh, I don't get a sense. I'm with you. I don't get a sense they're panicking. I think fans are, but I don't think they are. Yeah. I uh, I keep talking uh, to people about they have – and it's keep saying, wait till after June 1st. Because there's a lot of uh, salary ramifications that can happen then as well. So all is not lost until you actually walk through the door of training camp and you don't have anybody else in that room. So I completely am with you on this. What else do the Packers need to do? I mean, you know, do they need to, say, you know, another edge rusher? Do they need to find additional depth up front now that they've brought in uh, Jeron Reed do they continue to try to go to fortify that area they took away some of the desperation in those areas by signing uh, Devondre Campbell by signing Reed by bringing back Rasul Douglas by deepening their their secondary it seems like this could be a really offensive heavy draft
1: it does feel that way and and when is the last time we've really seen that you know 2020 I guess you could say was but not in the same way that we're thinking about this draft A.J. Dillon, Josiah Deguara, and Jordan Love. We knew Jordan Love was not going to play even under the, the best of circumstances for him. A.J. Dillon was, at best, the third running back on that team. Josiah Deguara was, was like, the, at best, third tight end on that team. That was depth. That was future. This, this draft, I think, is going to have a lot more immediate impact. And you can look at last year. Josh Myers was drafted to immediately become an impact player. Amari Rogers was drafted to become an impact player. That was before, remember, they traded for Randall Cobb, and that's probably a good thing in retrospect because Amari Rodgers did not look ready to play. When I look at this roster, I I think Green Bay is in the excellent position of really only having this one big black hole need, and that's at receiver. I am of the belief that Elton Jenkins is going to play right tackle for this team in 2022 and beyond, and they're going to pay him a right tackle contract um, which is just another reason why you know Devonte Adams not being on the books um, is has ramifications for other players on this roster. That leaves John Runyan Jr., who I think turned into a pretty solid left guard. And then you have a question about right guard. What is what is Bryce Newman? As we move forward here, I think they could be they could be drafting an interior offensive lineman. But I don't. I, I think we, I see a lot of mock drafts that have the Packers taking a tackle. I think Elton Jenkins is their right tackle of the future. So that leaves backups mostly, right? I mean, we're talking about nickel safety. They need a third safety to play with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos if they want to play all these light boxes. I think there are a lot of really great guys, Juan Brisker, um, at Daxton Hill. There, there are some players, that the, maybe, maybe a dark horse first-round pick even, depending on what they can do at receiver. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense for them. And then edge is a place that I have heard that they want to fortify. They want to get a third edge rusher. And to the point that players on the team are like, yeah, I think we're going to take an edge rusher early. Um, I I think someone like George Karloffis, who who, uh, I'm sure a lot of your audience watched play at Purdue, um, he he is uh, athletically uh, a, a better athlete than I think some people give him credit for. Had an outstanding three cone at his pro day, which is something the Packers value. So that could be a guy to watch, especially if he starts to fall. Maybe they move up. I think. If, I think in a perfect world, the Packers would like to trade for a veteran receiver, one of these these high end players, and then move up for an edge rusher and feel like the, the the team is fortified. I think that would be their perfect their perfect world scenario. They don't have that many other things to worry about. Then it's depth. Then it's best player available. Where can you find value? And and my thing has always been, it's not just best player available. It's the player who can impact your team the most in the first four years on the team on the rookie contract. How can they impact your roster the most? And you find those guys. And that includes guys who might leave in free agency. What, what is the future of Adrian Amos? I think his safety is is almost a, a definite top, top hundred pick because the future of Darnold Savage, what, what is that? I think they're going to, they're going to pick up the option. They're going to, they're going to sign a, co- a contract and he's going to be their safety for a long time But Adrian Amos. I don't know. So they need to figure that part of it out, and and maybe that's something that they look at here. Um, that's that's a sneaky pick that I don't that I don't see a lot of people talking about.
0: Uh, talking with Peter Bukowski, by the way, the Locked On Packers podcast. Find him at Peter underscore Bukowski. So let me ask you this regarding Jair, because we keep waiting for that contract to get done. Mm-hmm. Maybe a restructure of Dean Lowry as well to free up some additional space. When do you think those happen?
1: When the Packers need the money. I, I think that's the deadline that that ultimately spurs the action because we we got the reports at the combine that they're negotiating a deal. The Packers would like to get Jair Alexander extended, and it. it would save them money this year to do it. He's 13 million on their books on that fifth year option. They can probably cut that number in half right now. Um, you know they have in that 15, 16 million dollar range in terms of cap. They're going to need about half that to sign their rookie class, and then you're left with a nice number for for cushion which is what you need going into the season if they want to sign someone if they want to make a move if they want to um you know make a trade for example uh they're going to need to clear some more space which as you said you could get uh, a dean lowry restructure there are some other players that that could take some some restructures here as well uh then then you could you could make a move like that and i think that makes a lot of sense i would i would guess um, that this gets done before the season because I think that they, they want to use that space. They want to create a little bit of extra cushion to make a move and add to this roster if they need to. And so the, the Jair Alexander contract um, would allow them to do that. Plus, you get to lock up a player who is foundational to what you want to be moving forward.
0: So uh, I I still think the Packers have the ability to pick up a wide receiver, but I I go back to what let me go back to what Matt Lafleur said. Matt Lafleur talked about a guy that can take the lid off, a guy that can stretch the field, a guy that knows yep. it. It, He gave all the indications that they are not just looking for uh, young rookies; they are looking for a veteran, didn't he?
1: Well, I think what he what he implied is that they're going to exhaust all options. And I, I think that he, he acknowledged that there has been a learning curve with receivers, that they had a plan for that. And and I think that is part of what you're referring to that. That may be okay. Well, if, if it takes a little while for these rookies to get going, then maybe you have to get a veteran. I think also it, it might affect the way that they've used someone like Crystal Lava, who is another Packers favorite. Uh, he is, he is, I think Packers draft crush number one, Right now, um, based on my anecdotal research, based on what I hear from Packers fans, and he is, I think, the most pro-ready receiver in this, regardless of the quality of the prospect. I don't think he's the number one receiver in this draft, but I think he's the most pro-ready, and I think he could come in right away and give the Packers a lot of what Aaron Rodgers wants in terms of intelligence, in terms of feel, in terms of smooth route running, in terms of being in the right places at the right time experience, and yet he's still only 22 years old. Plus, he has that 4.39 easy speed. He will just run by you. Uh, he, he fits a lot of those boxes. And, and maybe it's as simple as they feel like they, they know about where he's going to go. They're willing to move up to get him, and he's the guy that they, they can target. I think if you're looking at him optimistically, he could have that sort of um, that uh, Adam Thielen-type career where he's, he's really a 1B if you had a better 1A but could be the guy in your offense uh, that, that could carry it, can play in the slot, can play outside, has the speed to get downfield, is a really good route runner, and, and has terrific hands at the, at the catch point, good body control. I think that there's a lot of similarities there. Um, you know, a Chad Johnson minus the I'm going to change my name to Chad Ocho stuff. I think that's another mm-hmm. high end comp for Chris Olave. And if that's the guy you're getting, that's great. But at the same time, I think what, what you can't count on is rookies being good. Um, I think receivers come in more ready than ever to produce for your team, but at the same time, um, most rookies are bad, and that's even even guys who turn out to be good. Just look at Packers receivers of of recent past who turn out to be a really good player. Jordan Nelson was bad for really for like three years. Um, Devontae Adams, it took three years. Uh, it, it took Randall Cobb. Uh, really, 2014 was the season he was drafted in 2011. It has taken Packers receivers with Aaron Rodgers a while to figure this out. So whether you go get a Will Fuller or a Julio Jones. I think the reason that the Packers haven't done that, though, Bill, is because they think there are better options or at least higher-end options that they need to explore first. They think these guys are going to be on the market. And my guess is they've touched base with their agents and said, hey, we're working on some stuff. We really really would like to have your guy, but we're, we're trying to work on some things. Let's get back to you. Let's stay in touch. If you want to come compete for a Super Bowl, we're the place come talk to us in a month and let's figure this out. I, I think they're in a very good position um, to be attractive to top talent because they can promise, hey, you're going to be the number one right away. You're going to come in and, and be the number one. And, and that's not true for someone like Wolf Fuller or Julio Jones. Most places they would otherwise sign. I think I think that puts Green Bay in a very good position to add a veteran and a rookie. And then with Big Bob Tunyon, with Randall Cobb, with Alan Lazard, and the run game that they have, they they can have they can field a potent offense even if it's not what it was with Devontae Adams in 2020 or 2021.
0: Good stuff as always, my friend. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Okay, Peter. Thanks Bill. Thanks, Bill. Enjoy the rest of your vacation, man. There you go. That is our good buddy uh, Peter Bukowski, locked on Packers podcast. You can find his stuff there at Peter underscore Bukowski. And hear his stuff, Uh, always good to talk with him. And a lot of good perspective there when it comes to what the Packers can and can't do, what they are and aren't going to do. And uh, are we panicked? No. No. I just, I still feel that they're going to get a veteran. I still feel that they are uh, going to use some of that draft capital to pick up that veteran. And they're going to get Jair done. They're going to clear some space. They're going to add maybe one or two even rookies in that draft class as well and uh, then they're going to fortify the rest of the team in in that particular manner but i'm i'm not panicked i just just i'm not 877-867-1670 hit us up more the bill michael show it's coming up next
1: this is the bill michael show
0: on the wisconsin sports zone radio network to have you if you're heading down to uh downtown maybe you're going to go to a bucks game maybe you're heading over to check out an admiral's game maybe you just want to watch the game whether it's a brewer's game or whatever ahead of time check out our friends at mke brewing mke brewing right there on 9th street downtown milwaukee and uh as you can see if you're watching on the bud light live stream many different types of craft brews they brew seasonal stuff and you can always go upstairs check out the upstairs patio uh, the, uh, the rooftop patio, as a matter of fact, it overlooks the Fiserv Forum. You can see that and, uh, just enjoy, uh, well, everything they have to offer. You got a good craft brewery right here in our own backyard. So check out our friends at, uh, MKE Brewing, 9th street, downtown Milwaukee, head down there and check it out. Good, good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, hit us up. Uh, Mark says, I like the double header idea. I do too. I do too. I like the fact that, uh, and, and again, maybe now I know this sounds stupid. Okay, I hate to I hate to do this, but maybe baseball needs to take a look at its past to reinvent itself. Maybe baseball needs to take a look at the past to reinvent itself. Uh, I'm not saying you go back to the. The old, you know, uh, business person special, doubleheader, that type of thing. I'm not saying you have to do that. But baseball has lost its romance. Baseball was the national pastime because of the romance of what it was. And, yes, we are all caught up in replay. And, yes, we are all caught up in time and pitch counts and clocks and all that kind of stuff. But when analytics took over and money took over and, you know, you're not going to get rid of the money. So you got to figure out how to make the game itself romantic. It's got to be the place to be. We don't have a problem with it in Wisconsin. We don't. You know why? Because the Brewers are winners. If this was County Stadium, on a day like this, three thousand people, four thousand people—that's it. Nobody's going to see the see the game, especially if the team stunk. I know. I you know the for last couple of years at County Stadium, I was here. I was in town. You know, I was, when the big thing going was Jeremy Burnitz, right? You know, poor, poor, poor Mark Loretta playing on some of those bad teams, you know? So I get it. If your team's in it, you love baseball. If they're not, you're not a big baseball fan. You're not looking forward to it. You got to make the game an event. You got to make, you got to bring the romanticism back. There's a, when I say college football, the first thing you think of is Saturdays, bands, schools, cheering, tailgating, all of that. When I say Packer football, the first thing you probably think of is Lambo, tailgating, cold weather, you know, fires and flags and, and pro shops. And you think there's, that's an event. You go to it. Baseball. Unless you're thinking of like in today's day and age for American Family Field, you're thinking of tailgating. You know, maybe getting in early to go to one of the pro shops inside American Family Field, you know, walking in and seeing a game, maybe the smell. Uh, I think of the first thing I think of when I think of baseball is the smell of the ballpark. The heavenly roasted nuts, the smell of the beer, the smell of the brats. There's a certain smell to the ballpark that I like. You can you can smell the grass on a day that they actually cut it. You can smell it. It's a very powerful thing. Smelling is a very powerful thing, the sense of smell. I think of all of that. I think of uh, an evening out, usually with some friends. Maybe if there's like a business suite, then there's business deals going down. It's not the event. You know? I just think about heartbreak. (laughs) See, that's just it. I don't even think about outcome. I don't think about outcome. I think I think about the event. Very rarely do you think about the specifics of just the game. Going to anything is an event. If you think Bucks basketball, the first thing you think about is getting in there and just being a part of the electricity. And then Giannis and then a dunk and then a win. You think about kind of like like that, the championship, if you have that remembrance. Sixty-seven, seventy thousand people outside in the Deer District. You, you kind of there. There's a romance to that because it's not that far removed from our from our memories. Because we're a very give it to me now out the fast food window society. That's what we've grown into. The, you, you got to recreate the event. You got to recreate the the romance of going to the event, for it to come back. You put out there some of these crazy, stupid antiseptic places like. Uh, what do they call uh, Tampa Bay Stadium now? It used to be Tropicana Field. Is it still Tropicana? It's not anymore. I think it's like a bank or something. But that I, place is I think terrible. It's Tropicana? Is it Tropicana? There is a romance to going to Wrigley. I don't like Wrigley, but there, people love it. There's a romance to it. Fenway. Even the new Yankee Stadium. Dodger fans are Dodger fans. You know, th- there's there's a romance to baseball that that not everybody has recaptured. We like it because it revolves around hope and winners, and but there's an event to it. I go to, Bre- I go to Brewers games for three reasons. Okay, three reasons. One is I'll go there as, as a media person and I'll cover it, sit in the press box. I go there to kind of gather information and to kind of just enjoy the game. Two, as a fan, I'll either get tickets with friends or Kristen and I will go, sit in the stands, just kind of enjoy the game, talk, you know, that type of thing. Or three, there's a business aspect to it. You're going with clients. You're going to a suite. You know, somebody's got an invite for you to be a part of a, a, a party or a gathering. That Those are the three things I go for. That's it. But am I going just because I want to just sit there and be a part of it? I do because I'm a baseball fan. But what you're trying to bring in is the casual fan. So if you're trying to bring the romance of the game back, how do you describe it now? How do you describe baseball now? Because so much of the luster of the game between Rob Manfred and the 60-game season and the lockout and the money and all the other crap that's been piled onto baseball and pitch clocks and, and, you know, now they're talking about taking umpires out of the game and electronics and it's like, just stop. Just go back to what the game was. The game was a great game. And with all the crap, we've ruined it. And it's not necessarily baseball's fault part of it is our fault media we bitch and moan about every little thing and then you get fired up about it and then we pile on that and then before you know it we've piled so much crap on you can't just enjoy the game anymore you know it's kind of like parents with their kids when they want their kid to play a game and enjoy it why because you want the kids to just have fun that's the way it starts out but then before you know it, parents are screaming and yelling at umpires, screaming and yelling at coaches. Their kid either isn't playing or isn't playing enough. And if he is playing, he's not batting fourth or batting first or pitching. He's just playing in the field. And then you start telling your kid about how bad it sucks, about how, how this kid doesn't hit as well as you do, and you should be hitting here. And then your kid starts to believe it. And before you know it, the reason you went was the enjoyment of the game, and it's, it's gone. You've zapped it from yourself. You've zapped it from the kid. The kid hates the game it's it's not a game it's it's just political compromise nobody wants that so i think baseball has taken away we've taken away the romance of the game the days of wearing your fedora and your suits are well 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 in the rearview mirror so how do you recapture what once was you know how do you go back to that and part of the problem is it's money it's money you can do a lot of promotions bobblehead nights are great. You know, Ben says bring back more dollar hot dog nights. Dollar hot dog nights are great. You know? I get it. Do more things for the fans to make the fans say this is great. Some of the promotions are hokey. Everybody loves a bobblehead night. Bobbleheads are great. But... You know, the old dollar beer night will never happen again because uh, drunk idiots ruin that for everybody. So you can't do dollar beers anymore. Dollar hot dog night. I, I don't know what else. I don't know what other promotions to do to get people to buy tickets to enjoy the romance of the game. And then just a good game. But I, I will agree with 90% of you that are chiming in saying, uh, grip it and rip it and sabermetrics ruin the game. I That I agree. The strikeouts, strikeouts are fascist both in pitching them and swinging at them. You love it when your pitcher does it. An 18 strikeout game, amazing. But ultimately, it was just a boring-ass game. Because if it happens to you, boring. Mark says, instant replay. I do love it, but, right? Get it right. But part of arguing about the game was the romance of the game. I think it should be fair and foul. Out or safe? That's it. Nothing more. We shouldn't be looking at the transfer of the baseball on the the phantom tag at second. We know what it is. Come on. Whether or not that split millisecond, he had the baseball in his hand or he didn't as he was exchanging it from his glove to his throwing hand. Was it an out? Was it not an out? Whatever the call is in the field, it is what it is. Part of it, we—it's either out or safe at of base and fair or foul. That's it, nothing more. All of this coming to the top of the stairs stuff and slowing it down—it's—it's—it's it, just—it's just done. Um, uh, Aaron says I think the Brewers do a great job of bringing in fans with their uh, Five County Fridays. Uh, some casuals may not want to spend a lot to attend the games, and uh, these discounted games allow them to attend. For almost nothing. Aaron, I I agree with you. And I think it also is a nice way to get back to the counties that paid the taxes. Th- that I agree with 100%. 100%. There's a lot of things you can do to make the game affordable. But we live in a privileged area. Why? Two reasons. One is because the Brewers are winners right now. And two is because of that dome. Thank God there's a roof on that place. It guarantees fans from all over are going to come to Milwaukee. What I'm talking about is the overall game itself. Why the ratings are down. Why people say baseball is on a failing end of a spectrum. Why? That's what I worry about. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael show coming up right after this covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone radio network. The Bill Michael show podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.